Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. As I announced a couple of weeks ago, I'm releasing the first 26 chapters of my other show, The Myths and History of Greece and Rome, on this podcast site. That's because they go through the canon of Greek mythology, which I think is very relevant to this podcast as well as to the other one. So I do hope you enjoy them. I'll be releasing them probably around two a day for the next week or two. Also, listen out this Sunday when I will be announcing what we will be doing next on this show. Okay, on with the chapter. Hello, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 1, In the Beginning. Where do we begin to tell the story of the myths of the Greeks? There are so many myths and stories and there are many different versions, so treading a path through them to make them feel like one long story is going to be difficult. Fortunately, the Greeks have left us with a perfect starting point, the creation of the world. This, then, seems like a good place to begin. In the beginning there was nothing. There was a big black void where something should be, and the void was called chaos. Now, chaos was not chaos in the way we mean it. It was simply a lack of anything at all. Into the chaos was born Gaia, the Earth. It is not really clear how Gaia was born from chaos, but she was. At the same time came Tartarus, a dark and terrifying underworld beneath the earth. As the earth was created, so were the things that the earth needs to function. Night and day were first, and then many powerful forces such as death, sleep, dreams and misery. Also created at this time were the three fates, powerful goddesses who even the gods could not command. The goddesses of strife and of retribution, Eris and Nemesis, who will have roles in our story, also came into being from the earth at this time. From Gaia came the sea and the sky, which were known as Pontas and Uranos. Uranos became a powerful god in his own right, and was soon married to Gaia. They were to have many, many children together. Being gods, though, their children were not the kind of children that normal men and women have. These were monstrous children. First, there were the Titans. The Titans were a group of giant gods, and there were twelve of them. As they grew, they paired off, and some of them married each other. In the world of men, brothers marrying sisters is not allowed. In the world of gods, however, different rules applied, and marrying a brother or sister was perfectly fine. Many of the titans were linked with forces of nature. Let's introduce them. Okeanos was married to Tethys. Okeanos was thought to represent a giant river which encircled the earth, and Tethys was the mother of the real rivers of the earth like the Nile. They had about 3,000 children, called the Oceanids, which were springs, lakes, ponds, or sources of rivers. Hyperion, Lord of the Light and Titan of the East, was married to Thea. Koyos was married to Phoebe, who is linked with the moon. The Titan Nemesine was the goddess of memory, and Themis of law and order. Krios doesn't appear to have had much to do. Iapetus, though, is a different matter. He was the god of mortal life and married to Themis. He had children who were very important in the birth of the human race. The youngest titan was named Kronos. He was married to Rhea, and he hated his father. The titans were bad enough, but the other children of Uranos and Gaia were far, far worse. There were the hundred handers, terrible giants with fifty heads and a hundred arms each, and there were the cyclops, more terrible giants with only one eye each, and that eye was in the middle of each of the giants' head. Uranos hated his children. He couldn't believe what monstrosities he'd produced, and he forced them all to go back to their mother, the Earth, and stay in Tartarus. 
Gaia was not happy about this arrangement and begged her children to help her. The children of Uranos and Gaia, despite being giant gods and very frightening, were too scared of their father to do anything, so they refused to help. Gaia begged and begged, but still they said no. Only the youngest titan, Kronos, was prepared to help. One night Kronos grabbed a sickle and lay in wait for his father. As Uranos came out for the night and covered the earth, Kronos slashed at him. The titan struck his father, who bled rather a lot. The blood fell to earth, and among others the three Furies were born. The Furies were goddesses of retribution. Also born from the attack on Uranus was Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Uranus was deposed, and Kronos became king of the gods. He forced the hundred-handers and the giants back into Tartarus, so Gaia was still not pleased, but there wasn't a lot she could do about it. She and Uranus told Kronos that having deposed his father, he would, in turn, be overthrown by his own children. Now that the Titans were in charge, they began to have children. Okeanos and Tethys had the Oceanids, Thea and Hyperion had three children, Helios the sun, Selene the moon, and Eos the dawn. Creos had a son who married Eos, and they had three children who represented the winds. Boreos was the powerful and icy north wind, Notos was the soft and gentle south wind, and Zephros was the sometimes stormy, sometimes gentle west wind. Koyos and Phoebe had two daughters named Leto and Astraria. We will meet both of them later in our story. Iapetus had four sons with one of the Oceanids named Clymene. We will meet all four of them as we hear more about the gods. Atlos and Menoitios will both play a part in the battle between the Olympians and the Titans. Prometheus and Epimetheus will be involved in the creation of the human race. Nemesine will have children, but not just yet. Later on, she will give birth to nine of the children of Zeus. Now Zeus had an awful lot of children, with an awful lot of gods and humans, but these will be some of his first ones. The nine daughters will come to be known as the Muses. It is said that it is from the Muses that great artists and writers got their inspiration to produce great works. The Muses were the finest singers and musicians and wanted everyone to know it. It has to be remembered they were also gods, and if they wanted to punish somebody, they could. When a great singer called Thamaris boasted he could sing more beautifully than the Muses, they blinded him and took away his ability to sing. The most important children of the Titans, though, were those born to Kronos and Rhea. We will meet them very soon. Gaia did not only have children with Uranos, she also had some with Pontus. Gaia and Pontus were the ancestors of quite a few of the monsters of Greek mythology. They were the grandparents of the Harpies, the Gorgons and Echidna. They were the great-grandparents of Echidna's children Kerberos, the Hydra and the Nemean Lion, among others. The Harpies were female winged monsters. They swept people away never to be seen again. There were only three of them, Ilo, Ocopete and Kalino. The Gorgons were really horrible monsters. Like the Harpies, they were women. They didn't have any hair. Instead, they had writhing, hissing snakes where their hair should be. They also had tusks like a boar, bronze hands and golden wings. Two of them, Stheno and Uriali, were immortal. The third, Medusa, was not, and in a later in our story she will be killed by the great hero Perseus. If it was possible, Echidna was even more horrible than the Gorgons. She had the head of a beautiful woman, but the body of a speckled snake. She lived in a lair beneath the earth, and fed on raw flesh. Kerberos was a three-headed dog, who later guarded the entrance to the underworld. The Hydra was a many-headed serpent. 
The Nemean lion had fur that protected it from all attacks, and claws which were so sharp they could cut through armour. So, back to Kronos and the rule of the Titans. There are two different stories about how Kronos ruled. One says it was a golden age. The mortals lived under Kronos in peace and wealth. Everything was just lovely. Men never got old, they stayed young forever. He had one more child with a daughter of Okeanus. He was a centaur Chiron, half man and half horse. Chiron became very wise and served as tutor to many of the later Greek heroes. The more common story about the reign of Kronos over the gods is that he became even more hated than his father. He was brutal and horrible, and imprisoning his brothers, the Cyclops and the Hundred-Handers, in Tartarus, and ruling as a tyrant. Kronos was afraid of the prophecy given to him by Uranos and Gaia that he would be overthrown by his own children. This wasn't much of a problem until he actually started having children, which, as we've already heard, he eventually did. He and Rhea had six children, and Kronos was too afraid to let them live in peace. He couldn't do what Uranus had done and banish the children to Tartarus, he had seen what happened to his father, and he wasn't going to let the same thing happen to him. So, what did he do? He ate them. Yes, he ate them. The children were the children of gods, so they were themselves also gods. They were immortal, and could not simply be killed, which is probably what Kronos would have wanted to do. As each of his children, three daughters and two sons, was born, he ate them whole. Being immortal, the children did not die when he ate them, but given they were inside him, they didn't cause Kronos any trouble. Rhea, of course, was not at all happy about her husband eating her children, so she decided to do something about it. It was when she was expecting her sixth child, she went to Gaia and Uranos and asked for their help. She was very sad about the loss of her first five children, and didn't want to lose another one. Uranos and Gaia told her to go to Crete and give birth to her sixth child there. Rhea travelled to Crete and gave birth to her third son, and then left him on the island. When she travelled home, she brought with her a stone wrapped in baby clothes and handed it to Kronos. The leader of the Titans didn't seem to notice he had been given a stone instead of a baby, so he swallowed it just like he swallowed his other children. The child was raised on Crete by some nymphs and other minor gods on a mountain called Mount Ida. They kept him in a cave and often made loud noises with spears so nobody would hear his cries and Kronos would never find out that he was there. The child grew up and became a strong god. When he was ready, the god returned to his father's domain and confronted him. Gaia had given him a potion which he forced Kronos to drink. The potion made the titan very ill and he was very sick. He was very, very sick. He threw up and out came the stone that he had eaten in place of his sixth child. He then proceeded to throw up his five older children in reverse order in which he had eaten them. First came Kronos's two other sons, the younger, who was called Poseidon, and the elder, whose name was Hades. Then came the three daughters, Hera, Demeter, and finally Hestia. They stood with their younger brother who had saved them and faced their father. The prophecy was about to come true. The children of Kronos were about to do battle to overthrow the Titans. And who was this youngest son who returned from Crete to save them? His name was Zeus. Next week, we will hear about the battle between the Titans and the gods, and we will find out who comes out on top. Have a good week, and see you next time.